Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, a podcast where a dickhead comedian <laughs> talks to a uh, bogan relationship therapist. Can we not make this thing? It's going to make change. Every I'm going to be weeks. so insecure now, thinking I've turned into a bogan. Oh, okay. Well, you've got to prove that you're not. You've got to start drinking wine and. I can't. I'm reading. allergic to alcohol. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, well, there you go. Then you're not a bogan then. <laughs> yeah, true. Okay, yeah, <laughs> That's true. A, actually, yeah. You know what? <laughs> That's the least bogan thing possible. Uh, not drinking. And mm. yeah, well, they, and vegan because let me tell you, since coming up here, the vegan food. I'm in like the vegan area of the Central Coast, and it's still so shit. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> worst things in life. But all we can get for takeaway even, is wait. Even in the vegan area, it's still bad. Like. Yes. So I live right next to Long Jetty, which has like the most um, vegan options in all the Central Coast. And we get them sometimes, but even then, it's so gross compared to Sydney vegan options. And I'm talking like the fake meat Mm. stuff. So the quality is like how it was like back in 2010 in Sydney. It's just really, um, and I found it sounds so snobby. (laughs) Exactly 11 years behind. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's when I started going like vegan and vegetarian back then. So um, the comparison is real. But yeah, it's just really, nothing hits the mark except for grilled because it's the same across all of Australia. So hopefully the coasties, we can... um, you know, work our way up. Um, but the good thing is, is that, you know, Adrian is working as a landscaper up here now and all of his new clients are like, Oh my God, like I have just never, um, had someone with such good work ethic that works so fast and like, blah, blah, blah. And I was talking to my mom about this because she, he's, she, he works my mom sometimes too in her garden. And she was like, it's because up the central coast, they all leave at like two o'clock to go for a surf and they all um, take like 40 minutes smoko breaks, hang around. Um, so Adrian wow. and Adrian's, um, and then his... they're like, Oh, immigrants are taking our jobs. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally finish work at 2 PM. I know. So, um, you know how, I think I come across, I think I was telling you this, um, and that we had tradies come and they left like coffee cups, Macca's bags inside the house or they left, they took off all our doors and put like sawdust everywhere and left everything robbed? off. It is looked that, is so... It, was it a big ruse that they just uh, act Literally. as traders and then they just rob you? <laughs> Maybe. And I was like, why is it so... We were shocked and Adrian was like, if I did this in Sydney, like my... we, I would go... Like his team would go... He would go around to his team and put like sticky notes on every single speck of dust, any stain, any dropped like pile of dirt so that they would have to go back and clean it up. But my mum who's lived up here for like 10 years now was like, no, <laughs> that's, they would not pick up their own rubbish or, um, and they left my toilet in a pretty filthy state as well. So nice. Ah, that's expected. Yeah. Lovely. <laughs> that is yeah. interesting though, because you'd expect, well, look, I'm not surprised that the vegan food is not uh, up to standard in the central coast because, you know, I think most people moving from Sydney to the central coast would probably be like, oh, Sydney's full of wankers. And, yeah. and so they'd bring that mentality there. Yeah. Uh, so I think you're one of the few um, uh, people who have a, a, the reverse mentality to that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I'm, maybe too, you could start I'm ashamed own... to say I came from Sydney sometimes and they're like, where'd you move from? I'm like, just like an hour down the coast. <laughs> 
Like, well, what else is there an hour down the <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> just um, out of Hornsby. What's yeah. just north of Hornsby? Brooklyn or something, isn't there? Barara? Like a, yeah, Barara. Yeah, Barara. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of those places. Yeah. <laughs> just looks like bush. Like, does anyone ever live there? I don't know. Whenever I drive up to Newcastle, it's just bush. It's just like you, you leave Hornsby and then it's bush and then it's Newcastle. Well, when you um next drive up to Newcastle, you can stop and buy my place and it's really pretty and it's all lakeside and you will be thinking, shit, okay. I'm going to move up here. And probably and bad cost the same food. as your apartment anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, there you go. Be uh, if you live in the Central Coast, just uh, be wary of uh, the tradies there. Yes. Or if get, you need your get... garden done, hire my boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, Adrian. Yeah. Uh, if if you're looking for a, a landscaper in the Central Coast, <laughs> good go games to him. landscape. <laughs> there, yeah. there you go. <laughs> it's probably one person from I the think... Central Coast that listens to this and Yeah, like, no. I think we're pissed off way too many I don't think, you know, a core demographic of this podcast would be yeah, Gosford, think... you know I don't... I don't live in Gosford, Neil Yeah, it's all, it's all the same, you know Yeah, it's... true, it is, yeah, fair yeah. Anyway, um, how are you? Anyway, yeah, I'm good, I'm good uh, Looking forward to get out of lockdown yes. Shouldn't be long now I... I don't know if I mentioned, uh, but I did finally get my... I caved in. I got my first jab. I was one of the... I wasn't sceptical. I wasn't anti-vax or anything, but I was just waiting to see what the actual restrictions were going to be because I did feel like I'm in a pretty low-risk group um, and I didn't think that... You know, I don't really see my family too much and if I had any symptoms, I wouldn't visit them, but I got it in the end because I thought I wouldn't be able to perform. Mm. Uh, And, yeah, second jab is coming in two or three weeks and yeah i'll be uh full of Fully my 5g vast. yeah mm-hmm. bill gates has entered my body so i've been seeing um videos about how people since they got the vax no longer have access to like their psychic um powers and and oh. accessing their pineal glands and third eye and stuff so oh, there you go. not that i ever had access to those things but mm. there you go i wonder what that means for you maybe you, you're Beautiful comedic value will just decrease. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> I wonder if there'll be like shows that you have to put it like specific anti-vax shows. That's already happening in America. It's it's, Wait, what? it's more based on the venue policy. So a lot of venues will say um, no one can enter our premises unless they're fully vaccinated. Some venues will say it's up to the act, and so the comedian gets to decide. Uh, you have to show proof of vaccination or mm. usually what it is is like you have to show a negative test within 48 hours. Oh, okay. Which uh, is not that, it's not as hard, but it's a bit, it's quite a hassle if you're going to, for every event you go to, yeah. you, you have to show a negative test. Maybe if they had made the actual, like a more simplistic, um, easily accessible test method, more comfortable. Like if you just like spat on a piece of paper and <laughs> show you. About on a piece of paper. <laughs> Got a scientist right. here. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the wrong industry. <laughs> um, in Israel, it actually looks really bad because they uh, vaccinated a large proportion of their population. I'm pretty sure with Pfizer, uh, around 
by March, April, I think more than sort of 60, 70% were fully vaccinated. And it, it looks to wear off because now mm-hmm. most of the hospitalizations and deaths are people who have had their two initial shots of uh, fire. Uh, look, I don't know if it's going to be demonetized now or whatever. So this is all, look, I, do, you know, disclaimer. trust the health authorities. I don't know what I'm talking about. I've read a few studies here and there, which don't, I have no... Uh, reason to doubt their veracity, but uh, this was we're getting a bit into risky strange. territory now. Yeah, Neil. we are. But <laughs> I'm fully vaxxed. Yeah, look, I am. Yeah, I've got the. Well, I by the huh. time this podcast goes out, I probably will would have had the second jab by then. I'm just but, about to. Yeah. Um, I think Israel are now mandating boosters, and and I heard that they're actually looking at doing a fourth shot, which is just. I don't know how true that is, but like. Damn, enough. Enough. Oh like, at what point do you just say, all right, come on, natural immunity now? Like, four this is shots. This wild, yeah. Yeah, Pretty that's crazy. a bit much. I mean, I don't know. If it is the best for the elderly population and the at-risk population, but, yeah, probably not good to cover that um, on this podcast because we don't know what the hell we're talking about. So do your, do your own re- no but that's what the don't that's what all the problematic people say I know yeah, right. do your own research guys <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I Just don't know do whatever you want well no don't Maybe. do that yeah. either yeah Just no comment how about that no yeah. comment no comment mm. well we and, and and by the way, that uh, by October, if you do live in Sydney, our show should be back up. So uh, the t- tickets should be on sale soon. I'll most likely announce it on my Instagram. And speaking of which, that's I think a good segue to get into this uh, conversation. A couple of months ago now, it was a while back, I asked a question on my Instagram story saying, what do you think the responsibilities and duties for uh, partners in monogamous relationships are. And the most common answer was mutual respect. Now, I, as you know, I I don't like broad subjective terms like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, obviously you no. that just seems obvious to me. Like, obviously you respect your partner. Like, I mean, it's... <laughs> Oh, yeah, you get into a relationship and then the first thing you do is you don't respect them, you know. But the problem is respect can be different for different people. What's respectful for one person uh, could be very disrespectful to the other person. In fact, that's probably where a lot of arguments stem from. Mm -hmm. Uh, A few other answers were, you know, compromise was a good one, which I can get behind. That makes pretty reasonable sense. There's certain things you've got to compromise in in a relationship. Um, mutual understanding. See, again, phrases like that, which I just don't like because, well, yeah, yeah, um, we all want to mutually understand each other, but, you know. <laughs> Be specific. What are th- exactly. What are the yeah. limits to that? And what do you actually mean by that? Give me a situation yeah. where where someone has not mutually understood the other person and someone has. So I thought it would be interesting to get into a uh, broad chat about what, the duties uh, and responsibilities and and obligations are for people in uh, long-term romantic partnerships in the modern age because we all know what the obligations and responsibilities were for each gender 50, 60, 70 years ago. They were very clear-cut and defined and we've now been liberated from that. Well, most sectors of society and some would say there's still a long way to go but we've made a lot of... Well, 
if you want to call it progress, some may not, but look, it's changed a lot. We'll say (laughs) that. Um, What actually are the duties and obligations today? Because there's a lot of emphasis on what is not okay in a relationship, what is controlling, what is overbearing, what people shouldn't put up with. What should you actually have to do? Uh, Mm. I think that's not a uh, topic that's covered enough. And it can lead to an environment where people... Uh, very well versed in what uh, crosses the line and when to call it quits and when to um, condemn and even impugn the the other person. But uh, at what point do you actually look inwards and say, well, I didn't live up to the uh, duty I sort of tacitly agreed to live up to with this person by uh, engaging in a long-term pair bond with them? Uh, and some people also there are psychological uh, sort of uh, variables at play where people can internalize problems too much and think it's always their fault Uh, but what do you think about all this do you think there are you know very clearly defined obligations and rules I mean something like you know be faithful is a pretty clear-cut obvious one there yeah Um, but things like like what I was saying before, a lot of the answers, I like got mutual respect, mutual understanding, um, kindness. And yeah, of course, these sorts of things are just good Basic values to human. live by. Yeah, but yeah. specifically in a modern relationship, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think the uh, general obligations are? And then maybe we can talk about what we see as obligations because we're both in relationships now. So what... Uh, what do we feel are the obligations that we should be held accountable for if we don't live up to them? Mm, yeah. Uh, well, I think that controversial, not to mm. you and I, but to everyone else, the biggest responsibility that we have in a relationship, I truly believe, is to be have accountability and responsibility for our own reactions and emotions. Um, it is not up to you as my partner to be at fault of any negative reaction or emotion that I feel. So even if you did something that offended me, it's not, it's my responsibility and how to manage my reaction to it. So I can say, I need, you know, I need an apology to move on or I need this. So that's fine, but we can't expect everyone to react or, or, you know, do actions in a way that is going to be completely baseline to keep us and our emotions at one level. So I think that it's a really tricky spot to learn how to take responsibility for your emotions and realize a lot of the reactions we have come from a place of, you know, we need this, there's a need that needs feeling. So when I say, no, I don't want you going out on you know, a Friday night or whatever, and he does it, who's at fault? Is it him if I kick off or is it me? You know, the the unaware person is going to think it's him. I, I clearly said I don't want you to go out and then he did. So it's his fault. But really, is my kicking off my own fault because I didn't express that I need a need or I need reassurance. I need I need some quality time together. It might not be tonight, but I need, it might be tomorrow night. So those kind of things we really need to unpack within ourselves and our relationships, I think is a really mm. important place to start, which seems very simple, but really it is what is lacking 
in almost every relationship that I work with is just understanding that you you are feeling this way based on your perceptions, your upbringing, your attachment style, your communication style, all these things is the reason why you perceive his or her action to be like this. And that's fair and it makes sense, but it's up to you to adapt to it, to change, to learn, or to gain an understanding so you can better communicate what you actually need. Because sometimes we react to things, especially with jealousy, and we don't know why we're so irrationally angry or threatened or pissed off by something, and we just don't understand it, and we blame it on them. Being like, okay, I know really all you did was say thank you to the, your, you know, the waitress. But I thought it was flirty. So, you know, now I'm punishing you for it. So really, really unpacking. Is it because mm. I don't feel valued? Is it because I'm not feeling like you're attracted to me? And can I actually have the confidence and, and take responsibility and, and ask for those things? Because a lot of people can get to the point where actually they recognize, okay, it's because I don't feel appreciated. Or, I, or maybe something that's a bit more vulnerable, like I never get made to feel pretty or something, but they don't mm -hmm. want to communicate that. And they all say, he should know. He should know to call his girlfriend beautiful. Well, actually, maybe that's not his language of love. Maybe that's not something he, that crosses his mind. Maybe he's calling you pretty every day, but you're upset about the language not being beautiful. So really understanding that about yourself is super important. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so would you say that it can be described as, okay, being accountable for your emotional reaction? Mm. The thing is, some people might say, well, if someone's done something so beyond the pale, is it then still your responsibility to refrain, refrain from being angry at them when they've done something that's just so bad and so selfish and and mm. however you want to describe it and all of these things are subjective you know what yeah i could see as selfish to them might be something mm. reasonable is it always uh the responsibility on the reactor to uh maintain an air of uh you know stoicism or just being in control of their emotions uh when they are viscerally attached to someone when they're in love yeah. with someone yeah i this is the you what you say is good because this is the response that everyone has when i say this like what if he cheated on me yeah he's the one that fucked up why does he not get punished or why do i have to be responsibility for my reaction to that and it makes sense but what i'm trying to i guess communicate is that if my partner cheated on me which to me is a big no-no um, and that's something that, you know, I would consider ending a relationship over and I would be pissed off at him. I'll be fuming. I'll be angry, whatever. But I would take, you know, responsibility that those are my emotions. Do I feel justified in having that emotion? Yes. Do I feel safe in expressing that? Yes. Like the difference is, is that I might be angry. You might be sad and Sally might decide I'm going to murder him. And he deserves it because he fucked up. Um, so that's, I guess that's the kind of process that we're, not everything leads to murder, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But sure. the consequences to someone else's action and the way that we respond to it is our responsibility. Even if it's justified and it's right. And you can, I'm not saying like you can't be upset, you can't be angry, but you need to understand 
where is this coming from? Is it coming from a place of lack? No? Okay, I am not feeling any lack. He's just betrayed me. I understand that this has gone against my value and therefore I'm putting a boundary in place and I'm going to, you know, not talk to him for a week or I'm going to break up with him or whatever. So having that awareness rather than responding from a place of reaction. So um, rather than just being like, that's it, get out, never speak to me again. And then guess what? Your relationship takes 10 more months to heal from or move on from because you never processed it properly. You never understood what actually, what was crossed, what barrier was crossed here, what value was crossed, what hurt me the most here. So that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's a hard concept it is yeah it's easier said than done um i i live by the mantra of personal responsibility but i'd be Mm -hmm. lying if i said i've uh enacted that in all of my previous romantic relationships there has been uh, a lot of emotion uh and i look back on some of those instances and i think it's still murky to me you know whose fault was it and yeah. Was my reaction justified? And yeah, ideally, I, I maybe could have said, okay, you've done this. Now it's my responsibility to um, uh, understand why I'm reacting a certain way. But all I need to do for you is just say what the consequence of it is without without uh, sort of overt judgment and without mm-hmm. trying to sort of gain a leg up or sort of win back some some form of pride mm. that I feel like has been hurt mm. by your actions it is yeah I, I I do agree with you it's just it's 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 easier said than done we'll say that um, it absolutely especially is. if we're dealing with very you know very traumatic and, and serious instances mm. of infidelity or uh, betrayal or abuse yeah. yeah whatever it may be uh, but okay I I can definitely get behind that that you know being r- reasonably personally accountable for your emotional reaction. I think that's a fair, if we add the word reasonably in there, I think that sort of caters to some of those really extreme examples. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know what, like I'm the biggest person that spouts all this stuff all the time. And I still have, as any human does, emotional reaction to things that upset me, but I can recognize and be like, okay, I am upset about this and I'm upset because this is a soft spot for me. Like, for example, I've I've talked about this before that I can't date um, smokers because my auntie died of lung cancer and it's a really sensitive topic for me. So I can understand that, you know, it's not actually fair for me to ask everyone not to be um, a smoker or not to smoke in front of me, or maybe it is fair. And I can say, yes, actually, this is a boundary. You know, if you're going to cross it after you've agreed or committed to not doing it, then I'm going to be really, really pissed off. But at the end of the day, that was my boundary that I put in place. That was my um, own, you know, issue that I, or value that I have and expect from a partner. And most of us do expect, you know, loyalty and commitment, and we will respond in very similar manners when that's broken. Um, and it's, it is fair to have that reaction based on someone else's actions, but mm. at least knowing where that has come from will take you worlds further in understanding yourself and future relationships and how you respond, because that's it. It's easy when it's black and white, he's cheated. I can be mad. That's an easy example. But what happens when he's done something that rubs you the wrong way, or she's done something that rubs you the wrong way. That isn't as black and white. 
then mm. we need to bring into that practice of understanding where that's because I could get mad at you for something that you might think is so irrational that you'd be like, well, no, like this isn't, that's not fair. Like, why would you say I can't go out on a Friday night? Or why can't I wear a top with low cleavage? Or, you know, those kind of things that has made to one person seem ridiculous to another seem um, fair. So it is, it's important to know. Um, and it's, it's kind of like the same as as well as knowing how, um, how to communicate that as well as equally as important. Because if you don't know that about yourself, you can't communicate and say, I get triggered when um, you wear the color red. <laughs> and whether or not that's rational or well, not, that's, that's a fact. <laughs> very extreme. Disclaimer, <laughs> I don't, but yeah. you never know. Um, so everyone has little little triggers like for example i get triggered yeah. when i see people drink a lot of alcohol not because i'm scared of you know not because i have alcoholics but i have a huge vomit phobia <laughs> like the biggest vomit phobia you could possibly imagine so when right. i see someone drinking a lot i'm instantly on edge and maybe i'll be short to someone by accident because i'm so scared someone's going to vomit in front of me those kind of things a lot of this though it, it just can be so uh misconstrued and just interpreted in a way that actually justifies someone's um someone yeah. overstepping the line say with healthy boundaries which i think we've talked about this on so many podcasts it's it's just again it comes back to what i said earlier which is just uh, to me this is just such a nebulous concept where all right in, in theory that sounds good but at what point is your are your healthy boundaries one um a way to justify your fear of being vulnerable and mm -hmm. two uh, a way to justify actually being the controlling one when often that term is used as a way to mitigate against controlling behavior. But, y you know, anyone can justify to themselves or if they're in their friend group or in their social circle um, telling their side of the story and, and a friend might say, well, you need to uh, have healthy boundaries when, well, we don't know the full story. We don't know the full picture. Mm -hmm. We're only... Uh, feeling our emotions so if anything we're much more biased towards ourselves so our idea of what is healthy boundaries is almost likely not objectively healthy boundaries it's probably uh, boundaries that skew towards our ego that we're uh, consciously justifying as healthy uh, mm -hmm. to you know protect that ego so uh, exactly. I, I just don't know I, I again like in principle I totally agree with that uh, but I don't want this podcast to get mired just on, on that one obligation or duty. Yeah, uh, yeah. So... No, I get what you mean. It is, it's really tricky and it's hard to understand. And you can understand it, but then to enact it as a different thing. But I think the mm. point you just raised there is actually what I'm trying to communicate. Because if I say I'm triggered by the color red, and then, you know, as an unaware person, I would mm. take that and I will say, Neil, you can't wear red on this podcast. And that's my boundary. I'm sorry, you can't. And mm. also everyone around me, you can't wear red. By the way, workplace, you can't wear red. But really, if I had a stronger level of awareness and responsibility for my own reactions to seeing the color red, I would realize this is something that I need to you know, work on, adjust or address myself rather than getting every single person around me to accommodate to my own boundary or, or trigger. Mm. So that is why... Everything I keep advocating that everyone needs to be responsible for their own reactions because that is not a safe 
you know, or fair boundary to expect everyone to have. And I see it all the time, like on Reddit, just the other day I read about um, a woman who was, it was an am I the asshole? And she got angry at her like hot 22 year old cousin wearing bikini because she had had just had a child and she was, you know, grieving her pre-baby body. And she said, am I the asshole for telling my cousin to go inside and get changed and cover up her body? And everyone was like, no, it's not, it's not that girl's responsibility to not be able to wear what she wants or wear a bikini when it's just, by the way, it was just the two of them because you're insecure. Um, so it's really like not expecting everyone else to accommodate to things for you. Um, mm. but also when there are mutual agreements, like you may mutually agree to be exclusive and committed and loyal. And that's different when you've both agreed to it. So if she had mutually agreed with her cousin to only wear, you know, sarongs in the pool or whatever, then maybe it would be different, but that's mm. only, it's only a one-sided agreement. Um, so I hope that makes it a little bit more clear. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah. Just because you're having an adverse reaction to a a phrase or a statement or a behavior, it doesn't mean you're in the correct moral position <laughs> yeah. by saying you need that other person needs to control that action, phrase or behavior. It doesn't mean it's all you're mm. uh, not in the uh, correct moral position either. Yeah. But it's it's uh, context heavy. Mm. So I suppose that's a good segue then to jump into something like uh, revealing clothing or posting um, uh, sexualized imagery. <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot of... Uh, usually it's it's men telling their girlfriends, don't wear that, you know, I don't like you uh, looking sexy for other guys. Uh, I don't, Do you know of any women who feel insecure if their boyfriend posts a shirtless pics or I don't uh, know of any I've never heard of any but um, maybe yes. not they might not directly say don't do that but then they might yeah act it's in a way passive. that yeah 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 like don't, they, usually... they might say the thing like don't go out on a Friday night kind of thing yeah. it's more of an indirect yeah. um, show of jealousy there uh, so look, it's, it's fair, look, look, both people can be s sexually possessive in that regard. Now, uh, something like compromise, say, um, and, you know, mutual respect, those phrases can be used to justify someone who may have very, uh, uh, you know, officious ways of uh, uh, telling the other person how to dress. And, and that's where I... I I can see the flaw in something like mutual respect and compromise, right? But at the mm. same time, if two people come to an agreement, look, I'll mm. limit the uh, uh, provocative clothing I wear. If you limit the, uh, you know, Sexism. models that you follow on Instagram or <laughs> yeah. something like, you yeah. know, it's it's just, I can see how uh, if two people genuinely agree that that's the, uh, compromise they're willing to make for the sake of the relationship I don't think that's a bad thing and I don't think it's necessarily fair if um, outside observers looking and, and, and sort of project their you know their sense of what is appropriate in a relationship onto other relationships big disclaimer assuming the two people authentically mutually agree to that um, there's a lot of well did they you know how authentic was it were they convinced uh, were they uh, compelled to do something they otherwise didn't want to 
Mm-hmm. So where are the duties and obligations there? Because there is it just that if someone tells me to wear a certain thing or act in a certain way, or, you know, hypothet- what are the stereotypes? If a, if a, if a uh, man tells a woman, you know, you, you don't post bikini pictures. If a woman tells a man, you know, don't flirt with the waitresses. You're always l- talking to the waitresses in a flirty way. You know, mm-hmm. I remember a couple of years ago, I was having an interview with with a female journalist and a girl I was dating at the time overheard it and said, you know, it's, oh, you were flirting with her. And, well, I don't think I was, but maybe, yeah. maybe it just happens on that, you know, unconsciously. But yeah. Uh, then, yeah, it, 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 went, it got into a fight because mm-hmm. I got mad. It was like, well, no, it sh- like, don't tell me what I was doing, you know. You can't yeah. do uh, that. Is yeah. a, I know that's actually that's a trigger, a trigger for me. Whenever you. <laughs> people yeah. tell me what I'm yeah. thinking in my head. Um, yeah. So the mature thing we could have both done in that situation, I'm, I'm guessing in hindsight, is to sit down and say, well, okay, you thought I was flirting. I thought I wasn't. How can we actually work this out? Because someone's yeah. have going to have to compromise here and say, all right, I guess I was flirting or I guess you weren't flirting. Or there'll forever be this uh, resentment, even if it's just a little, uh, you know, just a, just an inkling of it. Mm-hmm. It will, it will, you know, exist there, and it will just continue, be, continually build up if more instances like that occur. Yeah. So, what is the what is the responsibility in even in that particular scenario? But broadly speaking, in, in scenarios of sexual or romantic jealousy, what is the general obligation for both parties in that situation i think the obligation is one you have to communicate and Mm. two as a receiver of that you have to judge and and assess whether or not that is something that you can compromise adjust or or work on um i've certainly had same situation as you basically happened to me where i dated a guy for a few months and he had a huge issue where he said literally eliza so many people come up to you every day and you just get in these crazy conversations you give every single person the time of day and to be honest like you know half of them are men half of them are women and i'm over it and it's true like i i don't know what it is about my face i think i've said this before but any single time i go in a shopping center every time at least one or two or three people will say do you know where this shop is or like do you know where this i just approached all the time Mm. and a lot of it is just you know elderly people or random people it's not like a flirtatious thing but sometimes it is guys and i'm always like yeah yeah we'll chat or someone will come up to me and say like like once um when i was with this guy one of the things he got um upset about is i had i have a tattoo on the back of my neck and i had my hair in a bun and this guy came up and pointed and he's like, I love this. I know it like, you know, I love the meaning behind this. And then him and I got in this long chat about, we're talking about like, we both went to Buddhist meditation classes and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, did you really have to spend? <laughs> I don't know, what a cliche. <laughs> he's like, did you really have to like, you know, had that conversation in front of me? I was like, that wasn't flirtatious though. Um, and how, that, so, that's how okay, he perceived so it. You were with your boyfriend and then how long did that other conversation with this other person go for like it did go for like a solid 10 minutes but i okay. wasn't like keeping my boyfriend on the oh it wasn't my it was a guy i was saying i wasn't keeping him on the outside i yeah. was like oh i really want to get him into this like do you would you recommend it for like this you know whatever but okay. um that at that point when he communicated that to me 
I had kind of two options. This was also the same guy that I've talked about a lot before who had a lot of, you know, he would lie a little bit. He got upset when I patted all these dogs as well. Um, and at that point I was okay. checking out of the relationship. I already knew this isn't going to work. And I was, you know, I'm at a crossroads here. I can one sit down and, and, and unpack this with him and say, okay, I can, I can see that there's something about, you know, the way I talk to people and laugh and chat to everyone that makes you uncomfortable. Maybe it's not jealousy. Maybe it's you want quality one-on-one time with me and I can understand that. However, mm. the, the road well, I ended up... Well, that is I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> and then the road I ended up going down was, this is my personality type and I'm not willing to adjust that or change that. Um, okay. I'm, I'm just not willing to. And I <laughs> we ended things. Um, and, you know, currently my boyfriend, he's very introverted and shy and he, he that's something he admires about me. He's like, I don't know how you can just like strike up these deep and meaningful conversations with strangers. Like he thinks it's amazing. <laughs> so it's just right, one of those things right. where maybe I could have compromised on that, but I wasn't willing to. See, there's a... In, in, in a general instance, like that, I'm trying to imagine if I was with my girlfriend and then, she, you know, a stranger struck up a conversation with her. Now, if I felt like we were on a date or something like that and then mm. she was ignoring me, mm. yeah, I'd be upset. It's because disrespectful. I'd think, you know, yeah. like, what are you doing? Like, we're, yeah. this is our time. Yeah. Um, but being like, I, I guess there's a difference between that and I think, people who say like you, you know you're not allowed to talk to other guys or you know mm. i don't like it when you talk to other people but again if it actually if two people sort of mutually agree all right i'll i'll won't talk to other guys when i'm out in public i just find it hard to believe that in those sorts of compromise situations someone is doing it without a cumulative buildup of resentment i i find that mm -hmm. hard to believe but i do i think if you can like i said in a few podcasts ago if you see a relationship as an entity uh, other than the self. So, okay, mm. for no, I might not like this. I don't like that I'm being told not to be, you know, in my view, kind to other, uh, to female journalists, but from my partner's view, it's flirtatious. But for the sake of the relationship, mm -hmm. this is something I am willing to compromise on. Mm -hmm. I think there has to be some, you know, people have to be willing to, to some degree, uh, maybe even if the partner's uh, ideas of what is appropriate is irrational and, and it may not make sense to you. Now, the key there being to some degree, okay, you've got to make sure that you don't fall into some sort of um, relationship where, you know, they're just locking you in a room and, you, you know, you can't talk to anyone and you can't do anything. Uh, but, yeah, I, 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 look, I don't know because two, three years ago, if you asked me, I would have said, no, fuck that, like you shouldn't have to... Um, change, you know, who you are, or what you do, just because it makes someone else uncomfortable. But I do now. I just don't look. I don't know. I, 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 I wonder if, yeah, in some situations, if it is appropriate to say, like, hey, look, I'd, I'd prefer it if you unfollow certain people, yeah. and you know, yeah. a big one is like previous partners, especially if they're previous casual partners. Yeah. Do you unfollow them now? Mm -hmm. I don't really mind now, but I know when I was younger, I would have had, especially when in Instagram, you could see what the other person liked. Yeah. And I remember um, if I ever liked, uh, not even um, ex-girlfriends, just like uh, other girls' photos that were, especially if they were attractive and, and mm -hmm. being provocative, 
mm-hmm. uh, she would see that and it wouldn't, you know, be dealt with maturely. We'll say that. But at the same time, I would see her uh, liking ex-boyfriend's uh, photos and, and it made me really uh, uh, jealous. It, it, I didn't like that because it mm-hmm. just... Uh, Especially after she had told me, oh, I don't like it when you do that. And I had yeah. made an effort to not do it. And then I saw her doing it and I was like, well, hang on a minute. This is, this is total standard. hypocrisy here. Yeah. So I don't think there's like one way and one appropriate way to, uh, to say like this is controlling or this is like the right way to do it. But if two people can come to an authentic agreement, I think mm-hmm. that's optimal. Uh, and I think to some degree... If there's a willingness to compromise on on certain things, it can it can show that you really, not that you value the other person, but you value the relationship. And yeah. there's a, there's a distinction there that is important, yeah. uh, but it it has to be very you know there's a there's a fine line there. There really is a fine line, and if, if anything, there's a generational divide. I think because mm-hmm. you talk to um and and we're not talking you know super conservative, uh people who came up from the the greatest or the silent generation but just you know baby boomers um who went through the 60s the cultural revolution but even they will say uh, you know the, the reason divorce rates are so high is because people just give up too easily and yeah. they're not willing to sacrifice they're not willing to mm-hmm. compromise mm-hmm. uh and you know then you actually get into the details of it and it was uh he felt uncomfortable that i was you know, going to parties where there were other men. And so I decided to compromise on that. And, you know, you'd be hard-pressed <laughs> yeah. finding a, yeah. a, a a woman in her 20s in Australia today that would... Although, I don't, then again, I don't know. <laughs> but, like, in my experience, I don't think, uh, you yeah. know, women today would be compromising on something like that. So, mm. I think but then again, to, if they're still together... If it's if the marriage overall has brought them yeah. a lot of happiness um, and kinship, there is an argument to be made that you know that is a that I was willing to take on that obligation of sort of sacrificing certain moments of mm-hmm. happiness for me that might make my partner unhappy, um, and as long as I you know can expect that same um, level of sacrifice from them. Mm-hmm. then there is an argument to be made that maybe that is something to do but i know it's a, it's a it's a very uh you know it's a it's a complex issue so that's why i guess i'll i'll, I'll finish by just this little diatribe by saying what i just said before is what i would only sort of profess which is if two people can come to an authentic mutual agreement and if there is a small level of resentment if if you can sort of understand that for the sake of the relationship it's it's worthwhile going through that then i think that's fine but but always you know understand that a lot of this may be irrational but anyway i've gone on a lot on that yeah well you took basically i was going to say the same thing in that um we we all have a i guess a right and responsibility to communicate what bothers us and we also have a right and responsibility to validate or understand why that bothers that person and and see if that's something we're willing to overcome but i think the biggest thing we need to take into account is the the relationship in its whole and what we're willing Mm. to work towards or not because for that guy that i broke up with 
he would criticize me for fucking everything and I was like he's a bit of a negative Nancy and I'm not into that um and he would I would talk about something cool and interesting I learned and he would say I don't like that you just you know always have to rub your multiple degrees in my face and make yourself out to sound smarter than me whereas I was literally just saying I just found out this and so I wanted someone that was curious Mm. and playful like I am um and so I ended it but whereas um with Adrian my current partner all of our relationships so far, we, we don't have disagreements. We don't have any issues. We don't have any fights. There's no like significant um, things that are common. So that if he ever came to me and said, actually, this makes me uncomfortable, I would 100% be like, okay, what can I do? What, how, how can I address this? Okay, like, I don't think I can go that far, but what about if we did this? Because I'd be much more willing to make a sacrifice for a relationship where I know that this isn't like a you know, he, he's not controlling, he's not, it's not coming from a place of, you know, being abusive, controlling or, or mm. um, telling me everything I need to do, or it's not coming from a place where it's unfair. So, you know, like he, obviously he has, he not, doesn't have to be, but he does have a lot of um, comfort and security in our relationship because constantly on this podcast, I'm referring to previous sexual scenarios I've been in, sexual relationships, boyfriend i'm always talking about my exes he's fine i talk about them with him all the time as well he, that's something that he's comfortable with and i am friends that's with rare actually I yeah, mean, look, yeah look, a lot most actually, men all i'd my... say wouldn't be comfortable i don't think I, yeah i mean i'm trying to think if my girlfriend spoke like me it depends no it depends how how often she spoke about her ex and how she spoke about him if it yeah. if it sounded like because i had a previous girlfriend that would speak about her ex and clearly wasn't it's not that she wasn't over him but had unresolved uh, emotional uh, ties right. with him, you know? Yeah. And like, oh, I can't believe he did this. You know, he, he right. hurt me like that. And, and I was like, look, come on. This is actually a bit disrespectful here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if it's just, hey, once I was dating this guy and, and this happened, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I've never really, I don't think I've been in that situation. So I can't, can't say. But that's, yeah, I look, mean, it, it's pretty rare. I think most I guys would like, really like I've that. had five long-term boyfriends and all of them except for the first one because he's my first boyfriend has been um fine with it but that being said i have Mm. broken up with all my boyfriends so i was never left heartbroken so when i entered my next relationship i was there was and i've never had significant i've never had a betrayal in any of my relationships so i was always coming into the next one without any baggage or heartbreak or you know, mm. things that were left unresolved. I was always like, oh, you know, I dated this guy for the last two years. He's so beautiful. We're great friends, um, but it's not going to be a long-term, you know, romantic thing for me. And even now, you know, with Adrian, I still occasionally, um, I'm, I'm on good terms with basically all my exes and sometimes they reach out to me and I, if they ever say like, can we grab a coffee? I'll literally say to Adrian, like, what do you think about this? Like, would you be comfortable? Like, can I invite you? Like, and if he would to say, no, I don't want to go or no, I'm not comfortable with you going. I'd be like, yeah, fair, like fair enough. That's not something that I'm going to push back on and be like, no, I deserve to see my ex-boyfriend. Like I would just say, okay, well, Mm. that's, that's totally fair. I'm not going to do that. If that makes you uncomfortable, like whatever, that's all right. Um, but I would give him the courtesy of asking him. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know though, it, uh, you know, let, let me know in the comments, let, let us yeah. know if, if your current partner said, can I, you know, do you mind if I get a coffee with an ex-partner? 
I if yeah, I think I'd be okay with it, assuming like it's not. It wasn't some like. Oh, he broke up with me. And oh, then I, I need and then, closure. Yeah, if it's something like, <laughs> like that, don't get then closure I'd say, when you're already no, in a new like, relationship. Yeah, then we'll, we'll yeah. then yeah, we have to actually question where, what we're doing here. But yeah, if there was enough trust and I genuinely just thought, okay, they are friends, I probably would still feel a bit off about it. But I wouldn't. I'd be like, all right, go do it. <laughs> you know, yeah, kind of thing. yeah. I think but, it depends on how secure you feel in your relationship and like i i know that i put so much effort into my partners making them feel like they are like my one and only whatever they would never have Mm. anything to worry about so he feels secure and i feel you know secure enough to the point where if he was like i'm going on a camping trip with my two female friends i'd be like yeah because i just trust him and i feel like we've never had a concern come up um and that happened to me once i had a boyfriend and he went away for two months because he was a scientist with two other girls and I was, and everyone was like, how the hell are you letting him do this? Like, blah, 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 like I could never. And I was like, well, first of all, it's his job. And secondly, like I, I trust him wholeheartedly, but there had been other times where if that was a different boyfriend, I'd be so jealous. I'd be like, no fucking way. Like I'll be freaking out every single night because there's no phone what reception. What was it about this guy that you I just trusted him. <laughs> I okay. really trusted him. I just okay. had a hundred percent trust and security in the relationship. So I was like, I don't have anything to worry about. We're, we're good. So, That's good. Yeah. That's really healthy. Uh, it sounds like you're in a really, really healthy relationship. Mm. I mean, a lot of people, I hear stories of people who went through divorces and uh, went through bad breakups and the story's always the same, you know, for the first couple of years it was perfect it was a fairy tale and then the issues started coming up so Mm. uh let's see you know how we both are in 10 years i know (laughs) we'll check that in if we're we're jaded (laughs) and uh you know twice divorced (laughs) i I do think about that because i'm like okay i've had five relationships they've all been around two three year mark and then i end them um Mm. so let's let's we shall see hopefully this one lasts a long time because we bought a house together and a dog so <laughs> i think we well, will though more pressure. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i studied relationships for eight years i feel like i have so much empirical evidence to show what's going to make it effective and long lasting and and that's just very true that's very true but look there are plenty of uh psychiatrists and and therapists who uh you know have had a lot of failed and oh, uh, yeah. broken marriages and relationships. So yes, true. sometimes people can say the right things and then not necessarily live up you to never those. Know. Yeah. Perfect. In fact, this is not uh, got to do. Well, yeah, actually, he's no, he's a psychologist. But the big criticism of Jordan Peterson right now is that you know he preaches all this self help uh, and personal responsibility. Yet all of last year, he he had a, a horrible addiction, and you know really? his wife was yeah his wife was really sick, and you know. Uh, some people who were quite conservative said, you know, you failed your duty as a husband because you um, gave in to your addictions rather than caring for your wife. But, you know, anyway, that's another story. The point is a lot of people can still... That doesn't necessarily um, discredit their words Mm -hmm. of wisdom and advice just because they... Because most moral, ethical, behavioral standards are are challenging. They're tough. And you Mm -hmm. can say... Like with that, what I do with porn, right? Like I say, mm-hmm. don't watch it. And I watch it because it's, you know, it's tempting. Okay. But I try not to. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's that's the effort the, that counts. <laughs> yeah, to a, yes. To a certain extent. 
yeah, yeah, because then there's also a lot of virtue signaling that can, if anything, it's better if you're open about your own failings mm-hmm. and flaws and say, mm-hmm. I would aspire to something like this. Yeah. Um, but, you know, people know, like, hey, look, I'm fallible and, you know, I'm, I'm only human. Uh, but I think this is something I would aspire to and I try, I know I don't always, but try not to then judge other people. It's such a classic, like, white girl thing to say, don't judge other people. They've all got their story. But, uh, <laughs> I feel targeted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look, this, like, so much of my content is just making fun of I've, I've kind of I've, uh, eased up on that. You're breaching out a, a little. Yeah, it was getting a bit much. I think 2019 and 2020, I, I went so hard with the, with the white girl content. And now it's like, all right, like they've they've dealt with it enough now. Yeah, true. <laughs> like even Karen <laughs> no. now is becoming so over. It's just like, look. They made now, a movie and everything. Yeah, it, not every white woman over the age of 40 standing up for herself is a Karen, okay? Yeah. Like some actually, sometimes managers suck, Okay. We're allowed to say the manager. Can I is speak a, to the manager? An <laughs> asshole. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What about? Let's go into things like uh, household chores and 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 you know, really assigning tasks for you know very specific duties there. Because look, mm. the you know throughout history it was that the man's responsibility was to uh, provide and to bring home the dosh mm-hmm. and to protect and to. Um, uh, you know, put his life on the line if he had to. It, it wasn't all, uh, you know, power here. It was also a lot of responsibility. Um, and the woman's responsibility was to take care of the, the home and to, you know, to cook and to raise the children. Um, and I'm actually, I was actually listening to a podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago. I've completely forgotten her name. I think her name was Mary he- uh, Hetherington or it was, she sort of had a posh English last name, but she was saying how, before the industrial revolution in many ways women actually had uh more power because when people sort of lived in a very agrarian societies there'd be a community where uh, both men and women would actually be spend a lot of time near the home because the men would be out doing some of the sort of more arduous farming but the woman would also be doing parts of the farming and and you mm. know the the domestic duties weren't necessarily separate and just atomized mm. in the home while the man went out to uh, work in a factory or, or, or whatnot. Mm. Um, but it was actually in many ways more equitable uh, and it was a really interesting perspective. I'll try and um, f- find out her exact name and um, link it. But uh, I guess uh, to come back to what I was talking about, it, intuitively it just it seems like today, okay, you just do 50-50 on everything. But that's not always the case. Some, sometimes... You know, mm-hmm. sometimes someone does value their career more than the other person. Yeah. And another person, again, for the sake of the relationship, do you sacrifice certain things like that? And then, and, and mm-hmm. long distance couples, like what, who makes the move? Like that's mm-hmm. a big sacrifice someone has mm-hmm. to make for the sake of love. And then uh, they'd need a lot of trust and they'd need a lot of reassurance, I'd, uh, you know, depending on how secure they are. Uh, but if, if you, you know, you move to another city, especially if you move to another country for someone, yeah. And then suddenly you don't feel that assurance and, and trust. Well, you're going to really be in a sad state then. So uh, what are the, because, and again, I'm sure a, a, lot, a lot of women will say, well, like, you know, men are just pretty bad when it comes to the household chores in, in general. So, in fact, I saw this really funny sketch the other day where um, a guy was saying like, 
you know, the, the, the woman was like, I'm not, you know, it's not 1950. I'm not going to do the washing. And then the guy does it, but he fucks it up. So then the woman's yeah. like, oh, fine, <laughs> like, I won't do it, do it, you know, to be yeah. a feminist, but I'll do it because men are idiots or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And so that actually ends up happening where the woman ends up doing a lot of the um, domestic mm-hmm. duties just because we are pretty useless at it, uh, which could be a very like manipulative way to get, That's <laughs> to, my get, tactic. to get the girlfriend or the wife to do it. But yeah. um, what what is fair in that in in that regard? Like, what should it just be like fifty fifty? In my, it it seems to me intuitively like yeah, fifty fifty seems. Fair, like one night you cook, one night I'll cook, uh, one week you or like you know we we divvy it up pretty equally mm-hmm. there. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I would do, uh, and then if, if someone is better at a certain task than the other person, um, we uh, you know delegate appropriately. But at the same time, if someone's just better at the housework altogether, yeah, it does seem unfair uh, to say, well, you're better at it, so you just do it. But then the other person has to then accept it if the if uh you well usually the man you know maybe doesn't leave the sheets as organized and neat as she would have or you know doesn't clean the dishes as perfectly as and th- these are stereotypes because I know it doesn't actually apply to you um but then that person can actually get a bit pissed off at that but again in in all of those instances, I just feel like well, if you have the mentality of like what is best for the relationship here mm-hmm. um and, you know, being responsible for certain emotional reactions that you, you were talking about. Well, for the relationship, I think it makes sense that everyone's doing as equitable a share of the uh, household duties as possible. And it's very different when kids come into it. I can only imagine. Um, and then even if someone's not as, uh, you know, competent at certain household chores, you have to be forgiving for the sake of the relationship because yeah. actually that's still a better option because otherwise point. Yeah. you'll just do it and then you'll end up being really resentful that the other person doesn't do it and is useless at it and so on and so forth. Uh, yeah. But yeah, what are your general thoughts on just like household chores and day-to-day duties of a, of a relationship that are actually quite boring most of the time? <laughs> well, it is interesting because, you know, a lot of research now shows that um, – since women have entered the workforce and that we're bringing in dual incomes, basically as much um, income because I, I guess like statistically women are more educated now these days and may have, mm. you know, equal um, earning jobs and things like that. It's, get, it's becoming more equal. Um, but however, the household, household duties um, and maintenance still seems to be heavily carried by women. So they're working more and still doing all all the household or majority of the household chores. And that doesn't apply for everyone because it certainly doesn't apply for me. But I think that the key is not necessarily, I hate 50-50. Like I hate you buy on Tuesday, I buy dinner on Wednesday. I hate that shit. Like (laughs) for me, it is as long as everything is distributed equally. Um, And that's, to me, it's different to 50-50. So I work longer hours, I make more money and I have multiple, you know, potential income streams. So I, 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 and I work a really stressful job. Adrian's mm. job is stressful in some aspects, but I guess, you know, not as much. He's a landscaper. Um, so he does a lot of the household duties. He does all the cleaning and the maintenance. Um, and, you know, we've even talked about if I fell pregnant, 
that he might be the stay-at-home parent and I would be going back to work because he would love the idea of staying at home for you know a year mm. and looking after a kid and I would be like oh my god like I need to be doing something I need to be working with people I need to be progressing um and that's just you know the way it is but really the contribution we're making into the relationship is equal so I think that that's really really important and not just like with those household duties but with your emotional contribution as well so whether that be if someone's moving for you what is this other person contributing emotionally they don't have to go and do some big grand gesture but it needs to be an equally emotionally um you know we're both have the same stake in this relationship so I think that that's the best way to mm. navigate it and if you realize like you know you're carrying a lot of the emotional duties or the physical duties there needs to be a way to address it and you need you need to stand up for yourself and not expect your partner to understand that there is an issue there so rather than being like i do everything i do the dishes i do this it's not going to help anything you can say that but you know mm. they'll they'll do it out of spite maybe once or twice i'll be like fine i'll do the dishes but it's really not going <laughs> to actually encourage or elicit any change uh, because they're not going to understand that there is an uneven you know baggage being carried here so everything in relationships comes down to communication communication yeah and the ability to receive criticism in a healthy way that yeah yeah because you can communicate but if the person can't actually accept what they're being told um and that's look that's hard sometimes, I'll admit it. it you know, it can, it can be pretty uh, confronting and challenging to hear mm-hmm. uh, uncomfortable truths. Um, yeah, look, the, the 50-50 thing, it just, I guess, it, it just seems intuitive to me. I've never yeah. actually had a live-in um, girlfriend for a long period of time because I had girlfriends that lived in Melbourne, so then they'd come here for a few weeks and, and right. vice versa, right? Okay. So um, I haven't actually had a yeah a live-in partner for a long period of time ever so i don't actually a lot of this hasn't really come up yet but even in those small periods where it would be a month together um things look it's a very different dynamic when you're living together uh it it suddenly you know there's a lot more responsibility and the magic can wear off because Mm -hmm. You know, you're not. It's not like you're seeing each other once a week, and you're putting on your best self and yeah. um, having yeah. so much fun. You're seeing this person, you know, when they've come home from work, super stressed and probably not looking their best, and that's a big test for a lot mm. of relationships. And exactly. just little things like you know, you left the the, uh, the classic, the toilet seat, whatever, and um, oh yeah, the dishes and all yeah. that. That suddenly comes into it. So. Mm-hmm. then you, you find all these things that irritate you that you would have never known even irritate you until you live yeah, with someone yeah exactly so well for anyone listening who's, who's maybe just in an, in, an, in a nascent relationship that ha- they haven't they're yet to move in understand that that's a big um like, mm. I, like i said i haven't actually been in that position for a long period of time but by all accounts and it just it seems quite intuitive but you don't necessarily think about the, the pragmatic reality of mm-hmm. that um so what I'm doing now with my girlfriend is like, all right, like try come over more often after, you know, a long day of work. Because w- what we were always doing is like, all right, when you got your day off, come up, definitely stay the night that night. And yeah. then, you know, that's when everyone's in a good mood. And yeah. whereas now I, I think let's ease into something. What a lot of couples I think do is just like, all right, let's move in together. And 
I wonder if that, you know, I, I, then I, and these are just my friends, it's purely anecdotal, but then they say, oh, now we're fighting so much. And it's like, yeah. well, yeah, you completely change the dynamic, dynamic of the relationship mm-hmm. by yeah. suddenly moving in together. Mm. Um, and I know in certain circumstances, you just have to do that. Like if someone's moving to another city, I mean, even in those ones, it was, it was very different when you could like, because th- as they say, distance makes the heart grow fonder. So when you're apart from each other in different cities, you just, mm. you know, you've got this ideal picture of this person and you're always talking. And then when you're there with each other for like five, six, seven weeks, you're like, oh, <laughs> I'm sick of you now. <laughs> Everything's different. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, exactly. Um, you never know. It's always yes. really interesting to see how your relationship's going to play out. And in my last relationship, I prolonged moving in for as long as possible because I was really like, I, ha- I had a lot of fear around it. And even though mm. I'd lived with two or three boyfriends before him um, and we waited a year and he moved in and then it kind of fell apart within five months. Um, it wasn't falling apart. It was just, I realized it's, it's not for us. Um, it was not sure. for me. Um, and then with, with Adrian, we literally were living together within... Um, two months of knowing each other because I had, I was living in Crow's Nest and they were building the metro station outside my apartment and it was, it's 24 hour construction and I was like literally pulling my hair out. So, and he lived down the road where it was quiet. So I would go there every single night, two months, um, within two months. And then we moved in together officially after like six months of dating. And now we have a house together and we've only been together for a year and a half. So But you know, you never know. Uh, but yeah, yeah working so know. far. But um, you know, this Adrian's like the fourth Amazing. boyfriend I've lived with. But it is it is really interesting what comes up when you do live together, and you have to be acknowledging that there's going to be a lot of things that piss you off that someone does. Um, mm. And a really good way of handling, and that's what I mean by being in you know control of your own. Um, and being responsible for your own emotions because I could get pissed off that he leaves his, I don't know, chair untucked every time. But really, is that the hugest issue? Maybe not. Um, Like me, I have this thing where I leave my cups out everywhere, like all the time. I have a cup Mm. here, a cup here, a third one there. I just never put my cups away. Generally, I'm okay with tidiness, but it's just my fucking cups I always leave out. Um, Adrian always comes no matter like every two hours and picks up all my cups for me <laughs> and it sounds wow. silly, but he always, he thinks it's the funniest thing ever. He thinks he's like, it's so cute. You leave your cups everywhere and you always leave one inch of your drink in. He thinks it's the cutest thing ever. And I think that injecting humor where you can in your relationship is so, um, beneficial mm. and positive and to be able to have that playfulness with your partner will really reduce a lot of um stress like i know that there's been this kind of controversial relationship tactic where people will say like there's an issue like say the cop thing and they blame an imaginary third person so they'll be like oh steve must have left the cups out oh classic steve he doesn't exist but they do that and they laugh about it and they put the cups away and then other some relationship therapists will say that doesn't take you know that that takes away responsible oh, sorry drop my mic takes away okay. responsibility accountability you know it's um, so weird it's i mean weird. if it works it works but yeah but then other other people are like actually it reduces the stress it reduces the frustration mm. it, it the the person that left cups out doesn't feel criticized or attacked but then they they actually mm. action it and it's something they can laugh about um so you know it's one of those things where it's just really it's not about the imaginary third person it's about injecting humor and, and playfulness where you can 
mm. in other words, in, in replacing criticism and frustration. But don't be like, oh, you cheated on me. <laughs> Silly you. <laughs> yeah, cups are a bit different there. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's a fine line uh, between, yeah, being the being domineering and um, and critical versus standing up for yourself and what you think is equitable and fair. Mm-hmm. And I, I, was, I uh, follow this lady called Teal Swan, which is just, I don't know if you know her, but she's like even more, she's like, uh, I really like her advice, but there are elements where she's like very like ultra spiritual and, and right. You know, the, my comedian brain is like, oh, my God, I've got to make fun of this person. But <laughs> but I really like uh, some of the things she said. And there was one uh, post she made. Uh, and I also, you know what I've noticed on podcasts? I have a habit of when I'm talking about other people that I like or follow, I'll be like, I like this person, but... And I need to, I don't know why I do that. But um, she's great. Uh, and she had a post... Like, I think I've shared on my story about... like She has this video about when it's okay to cry for a man. Now, the title is very inflammatory because a lot of people think, well, hang on, what are you telling men when it's okay to cry? But there is mixed messaging men get, which is that a lot of people now, especially, hey, it's okay to cry, show your feelings, but then we do get um, Mm. socially uh, punished for it. And a lot of that comes from the women we date. And and there was a lot of stories that I got Mm. from my um, blind Instagram post of... You know, when was the time when you felt shamed for showing yeah. your emotions? And it was, you know, my girlfriend said this, my yeah. mother said this, my partner said this. And yeah, I've been in that. You know, I've told mm. you that I don't mm. necessarily want to share on this podcast the details of, but, you know, it it does mm. happen. And, and she sort of laid out a really interesting argument about how, look, if your emotion and vulnerability makes a woman feel uh, less trusted or less safe, that's when there may be an issue, but if it makes her feel more trusted and safer, um, then uh, that's a good thing, which, yeah. I mean, you do sort of have to wonder, like, then you're still saying, like, all right, you're allowed to show your emotions, but uh, as long yeah. as it's sort of in accordance with, like, what women want. Yeah. But yeah. Um, in a relationship, I think there are, you know, you can't expect, it. look, there still are just very basic uh, laws of attraction that I think you have to abide by. And you can sit there and like shake your fist and say, oh, why is it that women only like this? Or why is it that men only like this? But look, you got to, if you care, again, if you care about the relationship, I think there is a certain duty, again, within reason to say, stay attractive as, as much as reasonably possible uh, for the other person. Now that's a very, cause I know like, you know, you, you hear something like that and it automatically brings up connotations of men like getting mad at their, you know, wife postpartum. Oh, she has a baby. Yeah. yeah. Now, and this mm. has to be equitable though, like because a lot mm. of the men that get mad at their wife are kind of fat. So you're like, <laughs> well, come on, like you got yeah. it. It's both. You got to uh, within and and the big uh, y- you know note there is within reason. If someone's mm. going through a stressful time at work or dealing with uh, mm. family issues. Yeah, you then of course you have to be forgiving if they put on weight mm-hmm. or if they you mm-hmm. know they're not as sexually interested in you as they otherwise would be but um yeah also within reason like you gotta I, I don't think the right way to see it is like oh you have a duty to sleep with this person but i think you have a duty to stay uh to keep to do what you can to to maintain the sexual interest of mm-hmm. your partner 
It's intimacy. Um, it's it's needed. Yeah. It's the foundation of, of a lot of relationships, whether it be physical intimacy or emotional intimacy. And I totally absolutely agree with you. And I think that people get their back up and they get defensive about the attractiveness. But for me, like I don't expect Adrian to maintain his physical attractiveness because I don't put as that much value on it. If he gained 40, 50 kilos, to be honest, I probably would think of him the same. But I do mm. expect him to you know continue to show me um, intimacy interest and I expect him to be flirtatious with me and show me he's attracted to me I expect him to make effort I expect him to you know like I'm attracted to him because he has xyz interest and he does these things on for himself like he's attracted to me because I've, I'm out like in this group and this group and this thing and I will maintain that so mm. it's not necessarily all about you know I'll put my makeup on and look sexy it's about how much effort do I pour into making him feel valued and wanted and how much does he do that in reciprocation because people that have been in a relationship for a few years they don't flirt they just stop flirting because they don't yeah. like need to and i think that's really a, a sad loss and it's hard to bring back once you're in the habit of you know it's gone it's been gone for a year to all of a sudden like do mm. that but i think that you can do it and if you're not comfortable doing it verbally you can do it physically you get a little smack on the ass as they walk by like if they find that appealing it's not like objectifying <laughs> i think you're gonna get a lot of messages uh from uh disgruntled boyfriends hey i, I, I did what you told me to do and, know, and now right? i'm sleeping on the couch try verbal first i think <laughs> if you're a man and if you're a woman try physical flirtation because girls are always much more comfortable to say, oh, I think you're so handsome. Well, you say sexy and they're like, yeah, I get it, but just touch me. <laughs> like, And then <laughs> girls are like, oh, just get your hands dude. off me. Why don't you ever tell me I'm pretty? So there you go. Mm, there Women want to hear advice. things and yeah. men want to feel things to, by stereotype. <laughs> not that wrong. Not that wrong. is not official advice I would give in relation. That's just me being a 26-year-old. But, you know. <laughs> no, not wrong. Not wrong at all. Um yeah. Coming back to actually what I was going to, like, Teal had this post saying um, women are often very indirect with uh, what yeah. they, when they ask things from uh, men. And mm -hmm. that's in many ways, maybe they've been conditioned to uh, act that way. And I think mean, that's true, I think. But at the same time, I think it's like small, you'll, you'll notice like physically smaller men will act in a similar way to physically larger men. I feel like there's the whole small man syndrome thing, but also if it's a man they respect, they'll often be very indirect and they'll very rarely oh, like yeah. straight right. away say like, "Hey, don't do that," because yeah. there if there if there is that mm. sort of they, mm. they they always know if it ever does get to, and again this is something that Jordan Pearson has been maligned for, but he's not wrong in saying like if if it you know as a man if I'm talking to another man and he's physically bigger than me especially if he's, a, if he's a lot physically big look i'll back myself in some fights don't get me wrong but um i know there's a certain lot and a lot of comedians talk about this it's like i know there's a certain line that if i cross i get punched okay and that will always like uh influence the way i speak and what i may say and and whether there's certain areas that i'll be fearful of uh exploring and examining mm. um now uh coming back to uh what she was saying which was like you need to be more direct with men mm -hmm. the funny thing is in all the comments it was women saying i was direct with my man and he told me i was demanding or like i tried this and it didn't work yeah. he got upset he got mad so i know uh, it's hard it's it's <laughs> she's right 
And maybe yeah. the wrong that was targeted. The women that were responding were not the women she was targeting because passive aggressiveness mm. is very, very much more likely to occur from a woman and being like, mm. I expect you to know this and I'm just going to roll my eyes until you actually do it um, or I'm going to demonstrate through my body language I'm not happy with it. But then at the other point, for those women that do come forward and say it and say this, you know, it's, the, it's all in the way you communicate. Like if I come off and be like you did this and you did this and to be honest i'm fucking sick of it you're gonna get defensive and you're gonna be like i'm so sick of you nagging at me and demanding all these things whereas if i sat you down Mm. and i was like it it hurts my heart like like it makes me feel really not valued or not underappreciated when you never contribute um and i I really want to work together like as a team to, to strengthen our relationship it's a very less like don't go on the attack don't be passive don't go on the attack be assertive um, and, and talk about from your own experience mm. rather than saying you do this, you do this. You say I feel this, and this is how it impacts me. And I want us, I want us to do this. Anytime I have an issue with a boyfriend, if a, if someone ever lied to me or something, mm-hmm. I would just say I want us to be really like truthful. I want us to you know have that relationship where we can be super honest with each other and and, and expect that from each other. I wouldn't say I don't want you to be a fucking liar. I'm sick of it. That's just. <laughs> It's way less um, impactful. Yeah that's, yeah, that's good. That's a really, uh, it's great advice uh, because I, I can imagine, look, that mother-child dynamic um, mm. that, in fact, uh, I was looking at one therapist on, uh, look, on TikTok, so I don't know how. <laughs> ah, there you go. I did it again. <laughs> I got to stop doing that. It's a weird habit. Um, <laughs> but the, the uh, she was saying the biggest problem as a therapist is the mother-child dynamic where someone... Yeah. And it's not just the woman's always the mother and the, the man's always the child. I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. generally the case, but mm-hmm. uh, someone's hypercritical and uh, not particularly benevolent and, and can come across as very cruel and scornful, whereas uh, someone else just feels like they're constantly being criticised. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't help anyone because it, it, then the person who's the, the critical person, the, the mother, is uh, loses respect because mm-hmm. they feel like, oh, you've, you, you're so useless that I have to act like a mother to someone who I should be looking mm-hmm. up to and admiring. And then the, the, uh, the child feels, well, you're treating me like, a, like I'm a, some useless child and you're not seeing all the good things I do for you. Mm-hmm. And so then they just drift further apart. And if you're assertive criticism or you know direct criticism comes across as a mother scolding a child it will turn well i mean sexually it will turn both people off in most (laughs) in most cases i mean there are some people who might be into that but look it will turn i'm guessing i think we talked about this two podcasts ago but like you know by all means correct me if i'm wrong but i'm guessing it'll turn the woman off to feel like she has to be a mother to uh the man she wants to be attracted to, and then it's going to turn the man off completely to feel like he's yeah. this yeah. like useless little child that can't do anything right. Whereas if 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 it's framed in a way that you know this will make me feel better, uh, you know this is a a call to action. If if men have a call to action, uh, even if it is something really simple like uh, household chores, if if they feel like uh, this is a uh, a deeper purpose is look as as uh, shallow as that may sound for something as simple as doing the dishes or whatever but you know if i can be even if it's 
to a small degree, if I can be her hero here, uh, rather than being this like um, ill-behaved child that just needs to act according to the way she wants me to act, if I can be her... Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know if hero is the right word, but look, I think people know what I'm getting at. Um, if I can do something that's going to make her feel yeah. respected, appreciated, and 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 have a you know swoon over me, that's going to be more effective. It's honestly so... the best mindset that you can possibly try to inject in your relationship. It's exactly what you said, where it's just that that appreciation. One, if you mm. want anything done, like I don't want to say treat them like a dog, but it's kind of like <laughs> you really you more you reward, <laughs> and the more you say okay. good boy. The more they do it, um, and all good girl, and but not in that way. Like even I, I do that for everything. Like if I if someone in my that I'm in a relationship with does something very small for me, like um, literally just before this podcast, Adrian just brought me a glass of water, and I was like, "That's so romantic. You're so sweet. Thank you." And I gave him a hug, and he was like, "I just brought you water," and he thought it was funny. But it's just those little things. And first of all, it's a good mindset for me to be in because constantly he does small little things like that. Whereas, you know, if I was just like, cool, you brought my water, thanks, whatever. But then mm. if I have this mindset 20 times a day, I'm getting impressed by something and I'm feeling so like, oh my gosh, this is so sweet. He puts so much effort in because that's the mindset I've chosen to have because I appreciate these little things. So it's really, really positive when you can just look at something that someone has done and, and, and say, thank you. Like that, that's really nice that you thought of that and really looking at changing our mindset from, you know, Po negative to positive is really hard because we aren't naturally having we do naturally have a negativity bias and the longer you're in a relationship the more you fall into a space of criticism rather than you know saying thank you and things like that it's a practice it's not something that comes naturally in the at the beginning you can rely on your happy hormones you can rely on the dolphins you can rely mm. on you know the, all these bonding chemicals then you have to practice it and, and make that be your habitual you know place of where your mind will naturally go but that takes a lot of repetition and a lot of practice fake it till you make it first he's going to bring you water and you're going to be like oh, so fucking what cool thank you then 10 times after you say thank you you genuinely find that you actually really appreciate it so it's repetition like it's just basic psychology but you apply you it to your relationship so it's interesting and good yeah, the uh the naive optimist is actually uh living a happier life than the cynical realist and there you go exactly and, you know the cynical exactly. the cynical realist if they were really hyper rational they would understand that naive optimism has uh works as a placebo to generate uh positive uh neurochemical consequences I love that. and that therefore you found a logical way to it <laughs> makes rational sense to be yeah. the naive optimist there you go you heard yeah. from me, I'm the most logical person I know. <laughs> oh, there you go, right? Um, oh, we'll be going, look at that, one hour 20. Um, any other general thoughts on uh, obligations in a modern relationship? Because it's not, it, it, look, I guess it's just not clear for a lot. Of, I, I, again, I don't know if I want to speak for all men or anything like that, but it's not, the roles were really clear. The roles and responsibilities were always really clear. Um, whether they were fair, we decided as a society they, they weren't. But now the roles and responsibilities are not clear. And I think that's causing a bit of existential dread for a lot of people. Um, but I don't think we can have, you know, 
I don't think there's ever going to be a list of like this is what a man should, this is what a boyfriend should do, this is what a partner should do. But like you said, I think if you can communicate in a healthy way, if you can receive criticism in a healthy way, uh, if you uh, are reasonably accountable for your emotional reactions, if you uh, make reasonable efforts to uh, maintain efforts. sexual interest, yeah, and yeah. equal efforts to do the laborious chores that mm. uh, living with someone will always entail, uh, and you're willing to compromise to a, a reasonable degree. It's all reasonable, isn't it? That's my word of this <laughs> podcast. Um, if you put the relationship above yourself to it, but if you don't... See, people conflate putting a relationship above yourself to putting the other person above yourself. Yeah, no. And that's very, very, very different. Yeah, yeah. And and people need to stop making that conflation because it's mm-hmm. it's, it's significantly it different. Out. You yeah. think it's good. At the beginning, you think I'm being a really cool girlfriend. I'm being heaps relaxed. It will mm. never work out in your favor no. to do that. Because like yeah. I said, all that res- even if you feel like it's come to a healthy compromise or, you, you know, you've, you've eventually just settled because the other person's so upset about something. All right, all that's happened there is like a little bit of resentment is just going to most likely stay within you. Well, forever, probably, if you don't fully resolve it. And they might and not then, respect you either. If you don't have boundaries, exactly. you let everything slide. They're not gonna, um, they'll be like, yeah, I can fucking cheat on her or him. Like, what's he going to do? And, Say it was his fault. Each little uh, moment of resentment will just build up and build up mm. and build up and there'll be accumulation of that and one day it will come out in a very unhealthy way. So uh, you, you want to avoid that if there's anything that you're you know, resentful about or um, cynical over. Uh, you, you have to try and uh, resolve that. And if, and if you do genuinely feel like the other person isn't receptive to your communication, well, then maybe you do have to... Um, question the relationship i don't think mm-hmm. uh, you know this this sort of what i see is like a simplistic mantra of like you got to have healthy boundaries which you, you know you see all over instagram all the time like i did say in the podcast i think that can be weaponized and misused to uh you know uh justify people's avoidance of vulnerability and 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 even an avoidance of taking responsibility where you know someone may have made a lot of mistakes but by simply saying like oh i just i it didn't have healthy enough. I did, I wasn't firm enough in my boundaries. Well, you're p- placing all the the um, fault onto the other person there, yeah. and that's not almost certainly not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not healthy at all. If anything, it's you know I made a video about this a few weeks ago where it's stop pathologizing everything. If any, a mm-hmm. lot of these terms, um, if they're used in in an in a irrational way they actually typify the behavior itself yeah uh so someone who says you know you're you're gaslighting me well if they're not actually gaslighting you then they start to question reality and what have you done you've gaslit them so uh (laughs) these terms are you know i'm not everyone knows i'm not fond of them um But I think, broadly speaking, those are, I guess, some of the obligations. I know they're still a bit subjective and nebulous, but compared to, like, mutual respect and common understanding, which to me just means nothing, yeah. um, I think they're a bit clearer. Yeah, I agree. And there's one more I want to say that I think is really helpful to a lot of people in relationships, um, especially if you're more of an anxious person, and that is take take someone's word, like rather than their actions. So if someone says, I love you, 
take their word for it rather than being like, but you didn't look me in the eyes when you said it. So you, what if you don't? Um, trust people's word and it will relieve a lot of anxiety. So um, if, if, someone's, if I say, are you uncomfortable with this? And they say, um, yes. And then I'm, I, I will only ever check one time. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm going to do it. And then if they don't, that was their, that was, I gave them the opportunity to express that to me. I took their word for it when they said yes. So I did it. Um, but also when I say, you know, do you love me? And they say, yes, I'm going to take their word for it. Or it's just about building that trust. And it will relieve a lot of stress and questioning. If you just get in the practice, take their word until they prove to you until, until there's actual empirical evidence that their word cannot be trusted. Hmm. That's fair. But if there, ha- if nothing has, if you've never been betrayed or the trust hasn't been significantly broken, then take their word. Okay. Words <laughs> okay. speak louder than actions. <laughs> we'll both speak, but yeah. I think that. No, I know what. You, yeah. Definitely. We don't want to psychoanalyze all microaggressions and micro behaviors because at the end of the day, yeah, you know what? That's like tedious. If, and Adrian is a very sensitive person, so if I had a tough day. And he comes up to me and he's like, how was your day? And I'll be like, yeah, it's good. Like, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. Yeah, kind of thing. And he'll be like, are you mad at me? And I'm like, no, I, that's, I'm not. Like, And he's like, I mm. feel like you are. Because he can sense my energy. I'm stressed. I'm overwhelmed. I've, I've just spoken to clients for eight hours. Like, uh, But he sensed my energy. But I'm like, just take my word for it. I'm, I'm okay. I'm fine. Like, I'm just exhausted. So that relieves his anxiety thinking something's wrong because she's not her usual chirpy self. Um, yeah. So, okay. So, yeah. so then, if he didn't take, yeah, if he just was looking at your actions, he'd think, oh, you're lying yeah. to me, and yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. That's that's actually a really, really good point. And yeah, some people just now I've seen all sorts of things on TikTok of people just over psychoanalyzing every little behavior yes, in celebrity yeah. couples. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that's oh, the God, worst. You guys have. Clearly so much time on your hands going on in your life yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly and it just comes down to a passive aggressive because if i was sitting on the couch and i was actually mad at him and i was relying on him to read my body language that's my poor communication if i'm mm. saying yeah i'm okay and he's like shit no she's not like that's on me that's not on him if he doesn't amend the issue because i didn't communicate it so that's why i'm like well if you didn't communicate it when i asked you the responsibility no longer falls on me to resolve it definitely yeah. Alrighty. Well, that was a, a that was one. a good podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I really like that one. Uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, listening. Subscribe if you haven't already, and uh, follow Eliza on Instagram at Eliza Joy Wilson. And you know, you know, not always my spruik at the end. Uh, get my CBD oil, Crush Organics with a K. dot com, and use the code Neil for forty percent off. Um, other than that, I think by the time this goes out, Sydney will almost just be out of lockdown. So happy days! Yeah, I hope you're doing well in this in this in this home stretch. And uh, I think that's everything. Thanks, guys. See you next week. <laughs>